0: Merry Christmas, indeed. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. Thrilled that you are joining us this afternoon, or if you're joining us online as well, I'm really glad that you are here with us. And um, if you're here and you still have some Christmas shopping to do, I want you to know first and foremost, this is a no judgment zone, no condemnation. So we understand that's part of it. I was been saying all day. Uh, late last night, me and my daughters uh, were at Home Depot shopping for my wife. Uh, and so that's where I'm at, um, so you're probably doing better than me. And someone asked me, actually, at the close of the service, they're like, is that real? Were you really shopping there? I said, yeah, actually. And my family was here uh, last hour, and my daughter came up to me, and she's like, Dad, bad news. Mom found the power drill. So I got to get to CVS right after this, so we're not going to be here long. Um, I'll I'll do better than CVS, maybe. I don't know. But uh, thrilled that you guys are here uh, with us celebrating uh, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have been talking around here um, that, that Christmas is a season of anticipation and expectation. And there's a a lot of that that's just wrapped up in this season. And and while this year it it is a season of expectation, uh, I think because of just what 2020 has been, it can also feel like a season where, yeah, this really didn't meet my expectations. And I know for some people, and maybe you here in the room, Christmas is a kind of a yearly reminder of the, yeah, life hasn't really worked out the way that I expected it to my career has not really worked out the way I expected it to. My finances are not really in the place where I expected them to be. My relationships are not really where I thought they would be. My relationship with God is not really where I thought it would be. Some of you, that's what Christmas is for you. It's interesting because I was thinking about this and I was like, you know, a lot of Christmas movies actually pick up on that theme where life doesn't really always work out the way that you think it's going to. It doesn't always meet your expectations. If you know the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, George Bailey, uh, he expects that he's going to travel the world and that he's going to design these skyscrapers, um, but he doesn't get to do that. In fact, he's lost his money and now he's losing his business. In the movie, A Christmas Story, Ralphie, all he wants is what? A Red rider BB gun. That's all he wants. But instead, he gets pajamas from his aunt, and he looks like a deranged Easter bunny, according to his dad. In the movie Elf, which is one of our family's cra- uh, favorites, uh, Buddy cannot wait to meet his real dad. And he's so excited because they're going to go ice skating, and they're going to build gingerbread houses. And when he finally meets his real dad, and he goes to him and he tells him that he loves him, if you remember that, he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And his dad just says, wow, that was weird. <laughs> Christmas vacation. Clark Griswold cannot wait for his bonus, his Christmas bonus, to come in. So he can finally build the swimming pool for his family that, uh, that they've dreamed of. But instead, he gets a membership to the Jelly of the Month Club, which is the gift that keeps on giving. And then Die Hard uh, is just one disappointment after another. So what I want to talk about just briefly uh, this afternoon is how does the Christmas story specifically the birth of Jesus, give us hope in the midst of a season where things don't really go as expected. And maybe that's not you today. Maybe your Christmas for you is, is you're in a good spot, and I'm not knocking that at all. I think it's awesome, and I hope you have a great day tomorrow, and it's full of good cheer and wassail and all that stuff. I just hope that tomorrow is awesome. But I know that for some of us, maybe many of us, that's not going to be our Christmas at, the, at least this year. My intent is not to bum everybody out on Christmas Eve. In fact, uh, just the opposite. I want to give us hope. And the hope we have in Jesus. But I think it's okay to be real about where we are because that is the place that Jesus entered into. He entered into real life. Let me pray real quick and just ask God to help us this morning and, our, excuse me, this afternoon. Father in heaven, we love you. And God, uh, you've already just given us such a gift in being able to sing these songs, to sing this gospel, this good news, the greatest news to ever hit planet Earth. The only news um, that matters to humanity in terms of our salvation and who you are and what you've done, God, the promise that you fulfilled by sending your son, Jesus, to be a ransom, to be a payment for that which we could never pay for. The thing that separated us forever, God, from you was f- finished, paid for in full, the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And in this moment, we want to look at your birth, Lord. And uh, God, we want to see you clearly. And we need your help for that. So Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you move with just freedom and power in this room and online, those who are watching? And would you just let us see your face, Jesus? We love you, and it's in your name we pray, amen. When you look at the Christmas story in the Gospels, you, you have two accounts. One's in the book of uh, Luke and one is in Matthew's account. And they're the same story, uh, different details and kind of different vantage points. And if you read Luke's account, uh, his account is the more kind of upbeat one. It's the happy one. Luke's the one where everybody is singing. So you see uh, Elizabeth there and she finds out that she's pregnant and she's very excited. And then young Mary finds out that she's pregnant. She's very nervous, but she's also excited. And so she runs to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, who has a little baby John, In her womb, that John does a little backflip when Mary shows up. Mary's like, That's because I'm burying the king. And they both get very excited about being pregnant. We're pregnant, yeah. And there's this big song that kind of erupts. And then when John is born, his dad, Zechariah, who actually couldn't speak during the entire pregnancy, you got to read that story. It's pretty amazing. Uh, He suddenly, when John is is born, he names him John. He suddenly can speak. And so he begins to praise God. He begins to talk about how his son will be the prophet or the forerunner for the Messiah, the sent one. uh, who would save his people. And then, uh, you, then the angels show up, and they start singing to the shepherds, and the shepherds are singing praise songs of God and the sheep. So Luke is like this big, happy Christmas musical. But Matthew's account is a little bit different. And one of the first things that Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, is this. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So before they were together, she was with child. Now, it might not be very shocking to us, especially if you're familiar with the Christmas story, Um, but if this was one of your friends, or especially in this culture, if you would have heard that, you'd think, oh, well, that's not really what we were expecting. And the very next verse tells us that Joseph is actually trying to figure out how to Divorce her quietly in verse 19 of chapter 1, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So now in the second sentence of the Christmas story, divorce creeps in. Not really what was expected. And the angel comes to Joseph and says, don't divorce her, stay with her. And Joseph is a righteous man, the scripture tells us, and so he does. Joseph and Mary, if you're familiar with the story, they have to ride down to Bethlehem And she has to give birth in a cave because the inn is full. There's no room for them. And she lays the baby down in an animal's feeding trough. Not exactly ideal. And then the wise men come from the east riding in, and they go to King Herod, and they say, hey, we're here to worship the king. And Herod's like, what are you talking about? I'm the king. And they said, no, we're here to worship the one who is born, king of the Jews. Now, Herod doesn't really like that. And if you're not familiar with Herod, a little background on him. He was named king of the Jews by the occupying Roman Empire. He wasn't a Jew, and the Jews didn't really like the Romans, but he's named king of the Jews. And now he has these rulers who come in. They say, hey, we've heard of the one who's born king of the Jews. And to Herod, that sounds like a threat. And Herod doesn't do very well with threats. In fact, uh, Herod had his wife and his sons killed because they were a threat to his throne. And so Herod wants to find out where this baby is. Where is this one who's born king of the Jews? And so he kind of uh, gets this priest to sell out and says, oh, okay, he's going to be in Bethlehem. And Herod says, well, when you get there, let me know because I want to know which child it is. And the wise men, the magi go, they worship Jesus, but then they're warned in a dream that they need to get out of there because Herod is coming to kill the child. And Joseph actually gets woken up in the middle of the night by an angel and they said, you better get out of here too because Herod is coming to murder that child. And so Joseph and Mary and little baby Jesus flee to Egypt. So where Luke is all singing and celebrating in Matthew, it's the cries of mothers who've lost their babies. In Luke, there's a lot of joy. And some of you, that's your Christmas. You're having a really joyful Christmas and you should, I hope you do. But in Matthew, there's a lot of sorrow and pain. And the reason I'm bringing it up today is because it shows us that Jesus was born into real life. Because that's how life is. We have seasons of celebrating. We also have seasons of sorrow. And I I know that Christmas is normally presented the Luke way, where everybody's glowing and happy and singing. But in Matthew, the nativity set up a little bit different. Most people don't have their nativity set up where Mary and Joseph and Jesus are running for their life and the soldiers kicking in the door. And when we think about Christmas, we do think about all these awesome things like decorated trees and stockings and cookings and all that stuff is so great. But when Jesus was a child, it's in the desert in the middle of the night running for his life. And some of us, that kind of feels like the Christmas that we're going through. And it's not easy. And it's okay to say that because Jesus didn't just come from God for us. He came as one of us. And the reason that he came as one of us is so that he could take on all of us, including our struggle. And Jesus would live out what his people had to go through. His people had to uh, flee for their lives because of famine into Egypt. And he had to flee for his life into Egypt. His people had to cross the desert. And so he crosses the desert. And all through the ministry and the life of Jesus, we see that he's living out the human story. He's living out the human experience. And not just the good parts, the really hard parts too. And it's God saying to humanity, Jesus had to do this. It had to be difficult so that you would know that he is with you. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. Hebrews chapter 2, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying." We also know that the son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham, which is me and you. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. John would say it this way, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's an author who writes about this and he describes it like this. He said, the word became not a whirlwind or a devouring fire, but a single cell, a fertilized egg, an embryo, a baby. Placenta nourished him, an amniotic sac surrounded him. He grew to the size of a fist and his tiny heart divided into chambers. God became flesh. And Jesus entered our world not like a human, but fully God and fully human, and he endured puberty and pimples and hot weather and dirt under his fingernails. God became human down to his very toes. He suspended stars and poured out oceans, yet he had his diaper changed and lost teeth. The crater cradled in a Bethlehem cave, infant, yet infinite. This is the Christmas moment that shaped all other moments. On a starlit night in the company of sheep, cattle, and a bewildered Joseph, Mary's eyes fell upon the face of her just-born son. She was no doubt worn out and likely in pain, but Mary had to see this face, his face, to wipe the tears from his cheeks, to feel the shape of his chin, to be the first person to ever whisper. So this is what God looks like. And the moment that Mary touched God's face is the moment that God made his case. There is no place he will not go for those he loves. And if he's willing to be born in a cave, then we can expect him to be at work anywhere, bars or boardrooms and brothels. No place is too low, no person is too hearted, no distance is too far. There is no person he cannot save. There is no limit to his love. Because he was going to redeem us, he had to become like us. And Jesus joined us for the sake of empathy, to show solidarity, so that when we're hurting, we know there is a priest that we can take it to who will understand. And the scripture says, because he understands you, you can go boldly and honestly to him. Listen, to what again, in Hebrews, it says this, the high, this high priest of ours understands our weakness, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy It will find grace to help us when we need it most. So because of Christmas, we can have an answer to questions like, does God care if I'm sad? Well, just look at the person of Jesus as he weeps at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. Does God ever notice when I'm afraid? Well, just look at the way and the resolve that Jesus charges through the storm to save his friends. Does God ever know if I feel rejected or ignored? Look at Jesus and the way that he defends the adulterous woman. And there is a freedom for us in uh, feeling understood and healing is found in a place of understanding. And we have so many places and so many things that we go to to find healing And they always let us down. In fact, often they wound us even more. But what if we had a high priest who said, I understand you. I know what it's like. I've experienced that. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to love you. You've been rejected. I know what that feels like. You've experienced loss. I know what that feels like. So, why did Jesus have to go into Egypt? Because you and I have been in Egypt. And his pain was for a purpose, and his suffering was to give you strength. And you're listening to this and you think, okay, that's great, but how does that solve things for me in Christmas of 2020? Because empathy is nice, but can it actually help me? And what the Christmas story ultimately shows us, and we're just about done here, is that the great salvation story of the Old Testament, the Exodus, where the people of God were set free from captivity, what the Christmas story tells us is that story is ultimately fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the one who rises up to set captives free. That's what he says about himself when he shows up on the scene. And where we went wrong, Jesus did it right. And he took on himself every one of our wrongs so that we could be set right with God. His suffering is for our strength and his liberating is for our hope. He joins you and I in the struggle so that we can join him in his victory. He showed up where you are so that you can be where he is. That's the good news of Christmas. He entered our darkness to bring us into light. So the reason that we sing and the reason that we celebrate and the reason that we dress up and the reason we decorate a room like this is because for us, Christmas commemorates the day and the way that God saved us from ourselves, saved us from our sin, our rebellion. Matthew tells us that in in chapter one. As he considered this, he's talking about Joseph, he says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So who was Jesus? God saves. Well, what was he doing here? God saves. You see, Jesus was not just godly or God-like or God-focused or God-worshiping. He is God. Not just a servant of God or an instrument of God or a friend of God. Jesus is God. And God saves. Not just empathizes, cares, or listens, or helps, or assists, or applauds. God saves save. Specifically, the scripture tells us he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus didn't show up just to save us from politics or enemies or challenges or difficulties. He came to save us from our sins. And and he did not enter our world to help us save ourselves. He entered our world to save us from ourselves. And Colossians 1 tells us that God was pleased for all of himself to live in Christ, which means that all the love of God was in Jesus. All the strength and power of God was in Jesus. All the devotion and compassion of God were for a time in the earthly body of this carpenter, which is why the winds obeyed Jesus when he spoke because God was speaking, which is why sickness fled human bodies when Jesus touched wounds because God was touching bodies, The water held him up as he walked because it was God walking. People stood speechless when Jesus taught because it was God teaching. And all of heaven leaned in when Jesus was crucified on the cross because God was giving up his life for you and for me. Paul would write to the Philippian church, he'd say this, he'd say, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, he took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue can declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He became like us to show us how much he loves us. God became one of us, so that we could become one with him. And at Christmas, we look at the manger and we see that God loves us. We look at the cross and we see how God saves us. And the promise of Christmas is this, we have a savior, his name is Jesus, and he took on your face so that one day you might see his Because he knows that everything changes when we see the face of God. Hebrews tells us that Jesus radiates God's own glory and expresses the character of God. Jesus himself said, If you've ever seen me, you've seen the Father. Meaning, if you've ever seen me weep, you've seen the Father weep. If you've ever seen me laugh, you've seen the Father laugh. If you have seen what I care about, you see what the Father cares about. And so this Christmas, you can know that he understands how you feel and he's faced what you face. You see, Jesus is not out of touch with our reality because he's been through all the weakness and the testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So if your question is, well, does God see or understand my sorrow? Does God understand or see my burden or my broken heart? Christmas answers that question for us. And the invitation is to see what Mary saw. Look at the face of God, because God could have sent just a beam of light or a voice from a cloud, but he sent a person. And if the king of the universe is willing to enter the world of animals and shepherds and evil dictators and swaddling clothes and interruptions and unmet expectations, don't you think he's willing to enter yours? God knows the world is broken which is why he sent his son into the world to do something about it. And so this Christmas, especially in this crazy, chaotic year, the invitation is, will you trust him? Will you trust him that he knows and that he saves? Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we have. Thank you for this wonderful and miraculous story. This ultimate expression of love where, God, you would come and take on flesh and be one of us so that we could be one with you. And, God, my prayer specifically is for those in the room or listening online, God, who have yet to see you in that way, have yet to experience you or to know you in that way. And, God, in the place of chaos, in the place of calamity, God, I just pray that right now there would be, heat, there would be hope and peace and joy that only comes ultimately from you. And so, God, would you draw people to yourself even now? Holy Spirit, would you draw people to Jesus, that they would know him and experience his love? God, I thank you that your plan is sovereign. It was then, it is today. We rest in that. We trust you. Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.